In this episode of Girls on Film, we discuss the Swedish submission for this year's Oscars, Charter. Coming up, we talk about the joys of karaoke. We chat about on-set dynamics and what it's like to be shouted at by a female director from behind the camera, about working with children and teens. We also talk about divorce and what happens when a mother decides to kidnap her own children. I know a lot of these mothers and I've met them. And if you leave with your kids and fight for them in that way, it's because you that's how you handle, instead of feeling... Uh, incapable, uh, you do something, you act. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film and our latest isolation pod. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and thank you for listening. Hope you're doing okay. Now, I'm here to tell you that awards season is kicking off in earnest. And whether cinemas have been open or sadly shut there are some amazing female-focused films that have come out and that are in competition this year. Over the coming weeks, we'll be looking at some of the contenders. This episode is in partnership with Nordisk Film, and we're taking a deep dive into a film called Charter, which is Sweden's submission for the Best International Film at the Academy Awards, which take place on the 25th of April 2021. My guests are the film's writer-director Amanda Chanel, an award-winning Swedish and southern Sami filmmaker, and her star Arne Daltorp, an acclaimed Norwegian actor who's known for Cold Lunch, The Wave and The Quake. In the film Charter, Arne plays a divorced mother, Alice, who takes her young son and teenage daughter to Tenerife without the permission of their father, who has custody. Alice then desperately tries to connect with her kids, knowing that the police could catch up with them at any point. Amanda and Anna, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to have you with us. Uh, such a fantastic film. Let's start with you, Amanda. Why did you want to tell this story? Um, well, I'm, I'm from a family with gener- generations of divorced parents. And uh, I guess, I mean, I grew up myself as a, as a child of divorced parents having to deal with that responsibility um, and loyalty and everything that comes with that. And I... And on top of that, I think one of my greatest fears is that you could have children and lose them. And how far would I then go uh, fighting for them? And how, you know, is there a point where you should let go? Uh, and is that ever okay as a woman and a mother? Or are you supposed to sacrifice yourself completely uh, for your children? Um, I was wondering about those things and then, I mean, People close to me have lost their children or fought for them and sometimes maybe went too far in the 
eyes of others, I guess. Uh, and then I wanted to make something that for me is a declaration of love to divorced parents and a love story, really, between a mother and a daughter. I loved that focus on the relationship between the mother and daughter, and, and we'll come back to that, I think. But um, Arna, your performance really is fantastic and it's at the heart of this film. When you read the script, um, what attracted you to the character? Um, the character himself, it's, I mean, <laughs> very, to put it very simple, it's, it's, a, it's a big role, it's huge. She's there all the time. Uh, which is uh, not so usual, speaking of uh, girls in film and feminism. That's uh, a rare opportunity as a female actor to be able to carry a whole film on your shoulders. Th those, um, those opportunities don't come along too often during a work life as a female actor. And um, Amanda, Amanda Chanel, she's a highly praised director. I had seen her film, Sami Blood. I'd read about her. It, uh, she, she's, everyone, the word on mouth was that she is really somebody you would like to work with. And uh, when I came to do a screen test in Stockholm, it was obvious that uh, she is very inspiring, very demanding, um, that it would be a very hard, tough, and interesting job to do. Uh, and uh, Alice herself, she's she's she attracted me because she's the script sort of confused me uh, as to how am I supposed to. Feel about her, think about her. Can I trust her? Uh, is she who she believes she is, or who she uh, says she is, or pretends she is? Uh, I didn't really know who sh who she was, <laughs> uh, and that's very. Uh, I mean, curiosity is probably my main drive when I when I uh, read a script if I get questions popping up in my head about this character that's much more attractive than answers I I love that and actually as um, an audience member and as a critic I feel that as well I love films that keep me guessing and trying to work out what is at the heart of this character and their motivations. And I think this film does that fantastically because you're constantly questioning what's going on and who's right and who's wrong. Is there any right and wrong? There's so much ambiguity. And Amanda, there, there is so much judgment of Alice, you know, as you sort of referred to about the idea of you know, someone leaving their kids or being seen to leave her kids. Um, how important to, to you was it to sort of convey all the many, many different emotions going on with Alice and, and, in, and also to portray how much people are making those snap judgments? Because I thought there were some very striking scenes early on, especially where we see the local people in the small town just, just massively jumping to conclusions about her. Yes, the film is made that way that you are in a sense, in a way, I mean, you're with her and you're with the children, but you're also in a way the 
mm, like the jury in a custody case mm. in a way um or i mean i guess we all are in a way when we when we see those cases or people we know i think we tend to judge i mean also ourselves if we were a part of it but in every moment since we don't know the background and even if we did what is yeah. the truth i mean the truth goes into a million pieces in these cases so uh, uh you judge her in every moment like is she the better parent is she now is she now how about now <laughs> And I guess she's doing that to herself as well. And if you if you are a mother without your kids, uh, like we meet her in the beginning of the film, it's very much uphill from there because I think in the eyes of the world, we believe that a mother that doesn't have her kids, she has done something, there's something wrong with her. I mean, she either, she chose not to be with them and that's a great character flaw uh or she didn't get them and then something is terribly wrong with her and that doesn't have to be the case but from there you you will be judged by the audience and you know by the community and um and then it's a very thin i don't know how to say that in english but <laughs> in swedish you would say a like it's a line, thin yeah. line to walk tread yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um because if you then you know you 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 find ways to be with your kids or to uh convince people that you're the better parent you either hold them too tightly or you're too cold or you know there's this um it's very hard to be that perfect parent at all times i don't think any of us could be that and especially not if you're under so much pressure um as you are in those cases because i mean if you're if you're in a custody case for a long time people get um, eventually a lot of people get ptsd or you you're in under too much pressure and your your world is so is insecure everything is uncertain so i wanted to capture that as well from i, I think when i when i write scripts writing this one was a bit similar to writing some blood in that i make a lot of interviews and with people in my own family and people I know from before and that are close to me. But then I also uh, make a lot of uh, research and interviews with other people, mothers that have been to prison for taking their kids abroad, uh, fathers who have lost their children that way, or uh, parents that have done less radical things and children to those parents and so on, and uh, custody case, uh, case workers and uh, lawyers and so on. Uh, so in a way i collect memories and um i think to make something truthful out of that in my interpretation i had to make both the, the that it's not clear what's the truth because it's yeah. not <laughs> i mean maybe your truth is clear to you but it's still so hard to know and why do the kids say that you know they say they had a good weekend but did they or are they saying that to me because they don't want me to f you know be angry with the other parent or you know it's it's um it's so complicated <laughs> Well, 
it's, it's a very gripping thriller as an audience member. Um, I mean, with that, what you convey there and that feeling. And I was also very struck by some of the lines that Alice says that, you know, people were saying 30, 40, 50 years ago, but people, but it's unbelievable it still has to be repeated. Like she was saying, she believes a couple should not stay together if they're not in love, just because they've got children together. And But yeah, that's, there still seems to be a stigma attached to that idea. Yes, and we discussed it a lot, I think, while shooting. <laughs> Maybe Anna can say something about this. No, but are you, you know... Should she go back to him? Because that would maybe solve some problems. Um, if you could just stay together or go back together, move back in. But then again, how bad does it have to be for you to not, you know, how much should you sacrifice of yourself? What do you say, Anna? Uh, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a big question because also something about expectations of life um how in love or how happy can you expect mm. to be or should you expect to be um where i have a feeling of not only me but i i think it's i think many people know that our expectations are pretty high uh today if i had been born in oslo 150 years ago my expectations for life would be pretty low. Uh, but now it feels like our expectations are, it's like the future is sort of shiny, should be shiny, life should be shiny, um, which makes it pretty weird to live in this reality we have now. What a fantastic um, cast you have around you there as well, Anna. I mean, talk to me a little bit about acting in particular with the actors that play your children because Boy, they're both fantastic. They are. Um, they are. It's. It's. Um, they're. They're really great to be around and to work with, and uh, also so different to work with. It's a big difference working with children, and uh, my son is absolutely in the child box. <laughs> Uh, and uh, my daughter, she's somewhere in between, uh, between the adult actor and the child actor. Mm. With the child actor, it's it's about me being there and um, being open when it comes, and uh, Amanda calling directions from behind the camera and telling us to do it again and. Um, I, I really like that shouting from the director uh, <laughs> from behind the camera uh, <laughs> because I know that not all actors do, but quite quite a few of us really like that because it takes down the the pressure of the take. It's sort of we just it's a process. We're just 
um, struggling with this material. We're just trying out stuff. But with uh, Elina, with my daughter, uh, Tintin, uh, her name is, it's she's more in between because she's... And she has this... Uh, natural personal integrity that was totally necessary for doing that part um and she has this in her person that she can feel she's a real um con- opponent for me an equal um, one. yeah yeah yes absolutely and that's crucial Because uh, my daughter had to be, of course, she has a power over me because I love her, because I long for her, because I want her to like me. Uh, But still, she had to have this power in herself, this uh, which which Tintin has. And that's really interesting to work with, to, to struggle with during takes and during filming. Well, it was a relationship that that kept me gripped. Um, Mm -hmm. And you see it develop in some really positive, happy scenes as well as challenging ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Amanda, one of my favourite scenes is the karaoke scene where everyone (laughs) sings together. Not only Mm -hmm. is it fun and you're singing Meatloaf, Mm -hmm. but also uh, there's there's a big story being told in this scene and there's a very powerful transition. Could you talk to me a little bit about that scene, Amanda? Yes, it's a karaoke scene. Um, I've always wanted to do that. I am. I'm from a family where you, uh, where we sing together. Um, <laughs> we used to actually we used to sing karaoke <laughs> for Christmas. For Christmas, that sounds Eve. like a perfect Christmas yes, to me. We because- love karaoke, girls on film. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because it's a way to be together and you don't really have to talk about things, but just sort of <laughs> silence, you know. I also think I wanted, we wanted to find a song, or I, but it became a collective process <laughs> uh, <laughs> to find a song that, the, that was their song for some reason, uh, that they've been singing together in this family. I think most families have those. Uh, so we went to karaoke together. Uh, which felt kind of illegal to rent a, a karaoke room in a bar with the, with an eight-year-old um, or nine-year-old. Uh, we had to call in advance, and he wasn't the wasn't really. The, <laughs> Did you smuggle him in this. under your coat? Uh, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And then people came for you know drunk for hen parties and. Um, yeah, so we tried out different songs. I wanted to talk a little bit about you two working together as women. I mean, do you both enjoy the process of having female crew around you? And do you, do you think that does change the dynamic in any way? I don't think of Amanda as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> do you think of me as a Russian yes, director? she's a Russian director. <laughs> because it's more like... To, um, She's she's really she's a really tough director to work with. You know, Swedes they are I'm Norwegian and we think of Swedes are as they're very polite and they have some sort of distance, they're very careful. They're not so um comfortable with the disagreeing but Amanda she's much more she she reminds me much more of my Russian 
theater professor at theater school uh, she's not nice all the time which I find really <laughs> comfortable <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, I know that uh, she found me really irritating sometimes and I could find her irritating and it it's 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 very because uh, I think we both were very hard working and we don't give up and we we like it we we enjoy every step of the process even when it's not so pleasant Um so we're we're willing to also go down those roads where it's not so comfortable or nice because it's still interesting and maybe we find something here and maybe this is shit what we're doing now but maybe we find something golden golden on the other side um Alice is she's in a way a very feminine character Uh I would say be, in the way that she is uh her her role as a mother is a big theme in the film it's very important in the film uh she has uh the the subject of eating disorder with her daughter um and she's very I see her as a person who's very emotionally driven and she's impulsive. Those are typically female. Uh, they're, they're qualities we easily think of as female. But she also has this, I would say, contradiction in her. She has this temper. I have so many times experienced that Uh, directors, producers, making some film, they get so, they're so, uh, it's so important for them that the audience like uh, the main character and sympathize with her. And I felt that mm. my way into Alice wouldn't necessarily be likable or uh, wouldn't necessarily be a person that you would Uh, agree with all of the time <laughs> or feel sympathy for um, and that that often scares uh, directors so so I think that was part of why I felt so sure and that's that's a big topic talking about women in film uh, how tight how how narrow that room is for female characters not to be likable the industry can be more it's it seems like it's more important for them that that uh audience shall like the female lead than be interested in her it's that's it's so true and it's something that we discuss often on girls on film but i think that's that it's it's really well put when you say that because i as you were saying that i was thinking i don't care if i like her i just find her a fascinating character i want to spend time in her company i want to try and figure her out and that's much more interesting than liking someone yeah it is it yeah. is So um, bravo to you both on this fantastic film um, and um, Sweden's Oscar submission. Congratulations for that to you both. How does that feel, Amanda? It feels great. <laughs>
Thank you both so much, Amanda and Anna, for joining us and for being Girls on Film, and best of luck with the film. Thank you. Thank you. My next guest is Hannah Flint, who will be joining me for the review section. Hannah is a film and TV critic and writer with bylines at BBC Culture, Empire, Radio Times and L.com. She's also a co-chair of the Times Up UK Critics Committee and she's a co-founder of the First Film Club. Hannah, welcome back to Girls on Film. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be back. Oh, we are thrilled to have you. Now, you last came back on episode 31 with your mother. How are you both? Yeah, no, she's she's great. She loved it. I was saying... Um, she finally recognised um, the, uh, I suppose, the technique that comes with being a film critic. And I don't know about your parents, but my mum's, I think this idea that anyone could do it and everyone can do it, but she was really quite impressed. She was like, oh, how do you know how to formulate sentences about films? And I was like, thank you, mum. Now I feel like I've got the respect for my job that I've always wanted. No, I'm joking. She's been very supportive and she loved it. And she loved us putting, uh, debating kind of little women and talking about films. I think she wants to start her own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Giving us some ideas. Well, yeah. I'm glad you saw you at work and you were great together. It's good to have you back to talk about Charter. Um, I personally found this a really powerful film um, with a very strong central performance and kind of immersive. Um, I was with this woman every second of the way, even when she was making terrible choices, taking her children away. Um, what was your initial response to this when, when you stopped um, viewing it? Were, were you feeling moved? Mm, yes, very moved. And I think what I liked about it is it's a subject that could really be quite overly dramatic fear into melodrama territory because you know it's the mother wanting her children back you know it could be a very powerful sort of way but I think the the minimal approach it took um very understated without sacrificing any of that emotional power especially from Anna Daltorp's like sent main performance I really think it, um it really captured the nuances uh, especially as a mother who you know this this idea about mothers that they're supposed to always want to be with their kids and they should put their kids first but then it's kind of sacrificing yourself and does she stay in a relationship and I think it really grappled with those issues really well in a way that kind of didn't do a disservice to who she wanted to be as a woman but also the complexities of trying to be a mother who wants to have their own life as well as be there for the children. Even today, our society is always like, well, you've got to maintain the nuclear family stays together. You know, my my mum's from uh, my biological father when I was a kid. She's in a new relationship now, been for 30 years. Um, so, you know, and she understood, you know, you can understand everyone's got their own unique situation about what things would go wrong for you to feel the need to leave a relationship. Um, and I love that, you know, I think there's a lot in what wasn't said in this film. It's what's in between the dialogues. It's the looks, it's the kind of, she's walking into the house and she sees a mark on the wall and, you know, she sees potentially something going on with the kids, you know. There's all that subtext with this film that I think really speaks volumes actually um, about how it's so hard to broach these subjects, especially, I suppose, in the real world, you know, you might not recognize what's going on 
you know, with relationships, we don't, we don't know the ins and outs, we don't know what's going on at home. And I think this really tackles that subject in a way to say, we can't be clear, we're not sure about everything. Um, but we want to hope for the best and hope that in these situations, I don't, you know, we, it's not a clear villain and hero. Everyone makes mistakes and that's just real life. And I think it really, I think they really did really well to show that, especially both from the mother obviously mother's perspective but also looking from the dad who was still a bit like oh is he is he the bad guy is he not yeah i think that's really important that gray area the fact that there's no bad guy no good guy really um and i thought the teenage daughter was tremendous really strong performance because she had that kind of um shyness but there's a great strength there and you see that strength coming out gradually and you see her mother trying to bring that strength out what did you think about the relationship between the two of them yeah I I, I think she was great um the young girl um one I loved her curly red hair it was gorgeous I, I couldn't stop looking at it. I was like oh this is so perfect curly red hair but it was beautiful but um I think she had she really got the the guardedness, like I could not tell <laughs> throughout the film. I was like, what is this kid gonna do? But I can also understand the kind of, you know, she's trying to look after her little brother, you know, that relationship there is so interesting to see how the brother does exactly what she tells him to do. They've, they've been forced to have this camaraderie while their parents fight it out, you know, they're just collateral damage really in what's going on in a relationship that's kind of disintegrated. Um, I think, um, but seeing the kind of, you know, seeing the kind of walls break down very minutely, like it was only, it was only, only very slowly we saw the, uh, saw um, Elena kind of open herself up a bit more. And, and for me, I find it, I thought that there's a karaoke scene in it. And I love karaoke scenes in movies. I think they are such a great um, a way to, um, uh, emote <laughs> feelings obviously songs are full of feelings but I think uh, in that moment you know I was actually I actually said to the screen at the telly I was like join in I was like join your mother yes. on stage you know that's just been talking about that I love I love that because you know to, just set the scene for, for the listeners so the mother goes up first doesn't she in, in, a, yeah. in a sort of kind of I suppose tacky karaoke bar but all the best karaoke bars are a bit tacky um, and they magically get to sing first which never never happens in real life right but <laughs> fantastic um, the mother goes up and says you know come on kids sing sing with me and then and then and then talk us through what the dynamic is there and what the emotions are there Hannah in that scene yeah um oh my head's gone for the song what's the song again I would do anything love. <laughs> yeah and I think that's such a brilliant song because it has this opening uh the, the opening kind of chorus is very just uh, very um stripped back and then you're waiting for the drums to kick in it's like a good 30 seconds or something and she's kind of you know she's calling to her kids like Vincent you know the song like Alina and you could see them and she's kind of carrying on and just seeing her face like oh I felt it in my bones just like just she's putting herself out there on stage she's the song is it's I mean it's very on the nose <laughs> she'll do it she'll steal her kids and take them to Tenerife for love because she needs to them to understand that and I think when they finally like kind of get up onto the stage it's just such this relief and 
yeah, it just feels it feels good because again, you know, the kids they're not overly like jumping around excited. They're still quite reserved, and that's what I really like about it. It's not um, it, there's not the extremes. I think you know, I think the most emotional character really is um, is Anna, Alice, the character, and the other you know people around her are quite you know they hold it back a bit because I think in a way you know they don't want to put all their hopes in in their mother she's left right and we still kind of it, you know they don't really give too much away really she says certain things that said reasons for it for her leaving but it's never really too clear in a way it's coming it, I, I quite you know as kids you're kind of like I don't want to let my guard down and get hurt again and I think that's what it is it's like you 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 hold yourself in you, you you pull these walls up to protect yourself from that pain again and I you know and that scene was so wonderful because it finally showed that like there is that connection still there yet yeah, they've come with with her to Tenerife but there's that moment where it's like you know karaoke brings you together and singing and she'll do anything for love it's beautiful well that's one of the things I loved about this movie that it I think in real life um, normal situations quite often highlight extraordinary ones. So there can be really intense emotions going on when you're just standing in a corridor or singing karaoke or, you know, walking past someone in the street. And I think this explores those tiny moments rather than going in for the big airport scene or the big sentimental drama scene. Um, and I think it's all the more powerful for that. Um, were there any other sort of films about divorce that sprung to mind? Well, you know, or indeed parenthood when you watched this. Hmm. I mean, there's Kramer versus Kramer. I mean, that's kind of the main one, isn't it? And that, what we could say is probably the more, more of a melodramatic <laughs> approach to it. Um, but obviously that's from the perspective, um, more of the perspective from the father, from Dustin Hoffman in that situation. But, you know, Meryl Streep in that, she's the one she's stuck in a relationship that she doesn't want to be in. There's also this movie um, with Gemma Arterton and Dominic Cooper a couple of years ago called, I think it's called The Escape. That's right, yes. Oh, interesting comparison, yeah. Yeah, and she, they've just had a baby and she's living this life in Essex and then she just goes to Paris. I think it's Paris she goes to in France. And it was like, you know, she's been told, you know, you're a mother, you have a responsibility. And that's the thing, it's like, I think so much as women, we lose us, we can lose ourselves once, you know, you know, even the fundamental thing, you get married, you take your husband's name, you know, you get kids and you're no longer, you know, I think, I think I was watching, I saw highlights from Loose Women the other day and it was Frankie from the Saturdays talking about how, you know, actually go from have you know being single being your person and being a girlfriend and then you're a fiance and then you're a wife and then after that, you're a mother, and then that's it. <laughs> like those are the roles, and and where do you, where does that, where where do you fit in that? Where do you, as an individual, sit within that? Um, and I think it's so interesting actually nowadays that we're exploring that that far more, um, seeing that side of it again, because I think you know we put often we put mothers on a pedestal, um, and actually there's so many different facets to who a, who a mother can be, whether they want you know want to be child free, whether they kind of have kids and realize that maybe this wasn't the right choice you know that is rep representative of our world nowadays more and more people aren't comfortable with these roles or not that they're not comfortable but not comfortable in losing a part of their identity um and who they are just because they now have someone else to look after you know i think that's the main fundamental thing of this film it's like you know sometimes 
it's not as simple as a woman want, don't want to be a mother anymore. It's just she wants to be herself as well. Is there anything else you want to say about Charter before I ask you what else you've been watching? Um, uh, I, I, I think um, I really, really like Anna Del Toro's performance. I think she is really the linchpin that kind of held it all together. I think, um, you know, it's so we talk about, you know, you just said it's the it's a Swedish foreign language film and you and you know after Parasite has just been in you know after winning at the Oscars you know I think it opens with a question in that when it comes to our kind of western awards Hollywood BAFTAs and stuff you know we should be taking performances seriously um that are not in the English language and consider them for these roles because I'm I'm really disappointed that I've only recently watched this I wish I watched this before I submitted my critic circle nominations because I feel like this is so powerful and I think you know it's such a great opportunity to expand your horizons um and and see how relatable stories can be even if they're in another language Absolutely. Well, I think actually, I don't think this um, necessarily qualifies Critic Circle Awards because it's not out in the UK yet. Um, okay, I feel better. So don't worry, but it is Oscar qualifying. So uh, keep keep your eyes on that. Um, so briefly, Hannah, what else have you been watching at the moment? Anything you'd recommend to our listeners? Yeah. Um, so I recently watched, there's a new movie coming out by um, Kevin McDonald. Uh, it's called The Mauritanian. And it's about, it's based on the real life story of um, a former Guantanamo Bay detainee prisoner uh, called uh, Mohamedou Sahali um, and it has Taha Rahim in the lead performance playing Mohamedou and it's about how he was falsely imprisoned for 14 years at Guantanamo Bay and then you have you know his central performance and then you have Jodie Foster playing his lawyer and trying to get him out you have Benedict Cumberbatch playing the kind of prosy like the Kevin Bacon from one a few good men type the, the military <laughs> yeah, lawyer like trying to yeah yeah um and there's a few it's Shailene Woodley playing a kind of a lawyer's legal aid to uh, Jodie Foster's character um you know I think I really like Tahar Rahim um and um I'm half no I'm half Tunisian, so I'm North African. So I have a special place in my heart for anyone who's from got a meaner background, Middle East and North African. He's um Algeria, French Algerian. And you know, the Mauritanian obviously is a North African um Mauritania is a North African country. Um so for me, I really enjoyed the fact that you had this story where you know, easily with these stories, it could be like a very much a white savior narrative. And I'm not saying this is because there's a lot of white saviors around. <laughs> there's, you know, there's Jane Foster. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. even, and, and I would say even, you know, even the prosecute Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, they played him out. They've been quite sympathetic. It's, it's sympathetic to a lot of white people in this film when a lot of white people have called caused the problems and imprisoned the guy for 14 years. But hey, I digress. But I think you can't take away Tahar Rahim's central performance. He acted the hell out of this role. And it's one that uh, I can imagine was quite traumatic to do because they don't shy away from the trauma of what it's like to be in Guantanamo Bay. Um, so I think, I was, and so watching that film made me want to realize um, that I have a gap in my knowledge and hadn't seen uh, the 2009 film that Tahar Rahim led, um, A Prophet, um, which is um, Jacques Odiard. Um, and that is just, wow. I was like, wow, this, this film is kind of like, uh, it's kind of, you know, Les Miserables came out this last year, you know, and I think, God, this really, the, a prophet really set the stage for Les Mis, and then before that, Laha, there's this really amazing kind of genre, French genre, crime genre coming from those films, and Tahar Rahim's amazing, so see both. <laughs> 
They're excellent recommendations. Thank you for those, Hannah. Thank you very much. And um, any last message for the Girls on Film listeners? Um, my last message, watch more movies. Um, also, you know, check out, um, I, I, I don't know if that's a plug, but BFI player, I got a subscription. And there are so many films, that's what I should profit on. So there are so many films, there's so much Japanese horror, there's so many female filmmakers. Like, if you want to fill in the gaps of your knowledge of international films, films that you might have missed at London Film Festival, BFI player, it's pretty amazing. Um, sorry, I'm not getting paid by BFI to promote that, but I just bought that subscription myself and I just absolutely wow with the amount of films on there. <laughs> Well, well said, because you're right, gosh, it is one of those things that when you're scrolling through BFI play, you can be there for two hours just picking the films. There's yeah. so many choices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's like its own little film festival. Great. Oh, well, thank you, Hannah, so much for joining us to talk about the great charter and other stuff and come back again and see us soon. Thank you. Will do. That was Hannah Flint talking to me about The Mauritanian, which is currently scheduled for UK release on Feb 26, 2021. Watch this space. And uh, Profit, which you can watch on BFI Player. And of course, the main topic of conversation was the film Charter. If you're lucky enough to be a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, you can watch Charter in the Ampass screening room. If not, then stay tuned to Girls on Film and we'll let you know when you can watch it at home. Thanks to the Girls on Film team, executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producer Tom Wally, assistant producer Heather Dempsey, intern Eliana J, and our partners for this episode, Nordisk Film. Do follow us and message us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and check out our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com forward slash girls on film podcast. Big thanks to everyone who's been supporting us there. You can also support us by subscribing and reviewing us wherever you get your pod. You've been listening to me, Anna Smith, and I was joined by Amanda Chanel, Anna Dalthorpe, and Hannah Flint. See you soon, and please stay safe. Nu kommer jag med klocka cola. Det är sant.